Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Narsen, our first World Tour level stage race in Europe for the season, Paris Nice, stage one of eight. You might have seen my preview before. Benji's been flat out with work all week. We then had Strade yesterday. Thank you for all the support on the Strade podcast yesterday. That's crazy. But the the profile for this first stage, an interesting one. Not a basic, straightforward sprint stage from Saint-Cyr-le-Col to Saint-Cyr-le-Col. They do two laps, about 85 k's each for 166 k stage. And it's like I call it a Britannia classic light stage. Lots of up and down climbs of like 400 meters at 8%, 1,200 meters at 5.3%, 700 meters at 7.1%, the Côte de Meridon. Intermediate sprint points at the top of those punchy climbs. I think the Chateau 4 climb. So Matthews and Tash Bernard were going for those sprint points today. And then the finish was 500 metres of like false flat uphill in the last K, in the first 500 metres of the last K. And it was a little bit uphill before then. And then 3 to 4% drag in the, in the last 500 metres. So got to be careful not to go too early. Um, so an interesting parkour, not a straightforward sprint stage, which is what I like about it. Before we get into the some of the riders here the sprinters for today I want to mention our show partner lacole you already know about them www.lecol well i mentioned on the strade pod i think yesterday or the day before there was a 10 percent deal for first time buyers well i think there's a day left on this i don't know when the weekend finishes in europe you're obviously behind australia um but for the rest of the weekend, there's 20% off the pro bundles on the Lacole website, um, which are a pretty good deal. And there's the Strava Club as well, which you can go and check out where there's constant deals throughout the year through the Strava Club, where if you do a certain number of Ks or a challenge, you unlock a discount code, um, which you can apply in the Lacole store. So go and check them out at the link below to support the podcast. But Benji, run us through who are the sprint candidates for today's stage because it is it was so many. Yeah, a lot of names at the start here. I think that from the big guns, we know that in the UAE tour, we spoke about the two best sprinters in the world, Caleb Ewan and Sam Bennett. Now, Caleb Ewan was not here, so Sam Bennett was obviously one of the favorites for the sprints. We also had Demar here from last year's, yeah, one of the best sprinters of last year. We spoke about that as well in the UAE tour. Akeman also here. He's got a different lead out though on this time because Jordi Mez is now leading him out instead of the lead out we saw at um, at the UAE Tour. But yeah, we'll see if that changed anything. Nizzolo was here, but his lead out Peluki didn't seem to have the best day of his life. Those are definitely one of the big numbers. Case uh, Ball as well. Jumbo Visma is not here with a sprint. They're focusing all out for a GC like you mentioned in the preview. Miss Pedersen here for the sprints. We've got Nasseb Buani. And I think those are the biggest names I can really name, Matthews perhaps, but yeah, we'll go into that in a second. Christoph, also a name I'd, I'd like to name, and I dare to say that's the end, perhaps Philipson as well. So uh, who did you have your eye on if you saw the profile? Who did you think was going to win this this first edge? I thought it was possible, but I'm very, very unlikely that a Magnus Court, Michael Matthews-style rider would win. I think it just wasn't quite difficult enough this finish or long enough, you know, 500 metres at four, three, four percent that's still going to be fine for DeMar and Sam Bennett. I thought Quickstep might send Cataneo late. That didn't eventuate. But it was a pretty sleepy stage 
to be honest, in the first, at least the first half of it until the yeah. last 50 Ks. Who was it in the breakaway, Benji? It was Dub, Fabien Dubé, the French rider for Team yeah. Total Direct Energy. So when it's one rider in a breakaway on a not a stronger team, not on a world tour team, the peloton just chills out. So they did the first circuit around, around Saint-Cyr-le-Col. Uh, pretty, it was pretty chilled. People were relaxed. Um, and then it was, what, 50 Ks in Benji that Philip Gilbert attacked just randomly. And who was on his wheel? I couldn't pick out who was, he had. A, he brought a Lotto Sudal rider with him. Yep, Stefano Aldani. We saw him a few uh, weeks okay. ago as well. And I think he worked in that stage race. Besesh that Wellens won, a lot for Wellens in that breakaway. He... Uh, he was seen as a sprinter early on in his career, but seems to veer off into climbing as well now. Pretty overall, all-round rider. Uh, pretty good domestique, and I think he can do well in a breakaway as well in the future. But all in all, this attack with Gilbert, Oldani, Lawless, and I think two other people didn't really end up doing too much. They caught Duby, and eventually this group was taken back once the peloton started speeding up slowly but surely again. But there was another like move quite similar a few a few minutes later, not too far from the finish line, I think then 30 kilometers or 35 kilometers from the finish line, we had a move with Søren Kranderson, Turns, Cataneo, De La Cruz, Latour, Gauthier, Baragli. And the thing about this move is this has quite a few names that are in teams of sprinters. Søren Kranderson for Case Ball's team, Turns for Mespedes and Cataneo for Bennett. So those teams are not going to actually do the chasing. It was all down to Muhammad. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, tell me. I, th- I think those guys were kind of confused in that break. I think some of them, they'd pull. Who I don't know who the UAE rider was. They'd pull and then they would sit in for a bit. Turns, Turns was definitely there to block and to sit in uh, in that group. And I think Cataneo was too. But I feel like the Alperson didn't know what they were doing with Benji. Like I saw the Alperson guy pulling a bit. I then saw when a break went up the road with the FTJ trains and Quickstep trains there, Alperson pulling again and I was like but they've got Philipson so what, what what's their plan for yep. today I was kind of confused by that so who was chasing that large group because it was a, it was a nice move for Quickstep and uh Trek Segafredo it was Buhani's team Arcada was doing it and eventually that slowly but surely came back as the front group was a bit confused they didn't do too much shouldn't crown this and tried with a solo move on the left side of the road but was an instant reaction by I think one of those riders, I don't know which one it was, to be honest, my heart. But all in all, that move came back. But unfortunately for uh, for you and the entire uh, oceanic region of the Earth, there was one rider in the peloton. Cycling that, fans globally. Yeah, cycling fans globally weren't cheering this time around when uh, Richie Port hit the deck. And I don't know yeah. what the reason was, but he was a sole rider that hit the deck, so... I, I don't know what the reason was. Perhaps he got a little budge and then he was on the ground or he uh, he personally made a mistake. We don't know. We can't really speak about it. But it looked first like he was standing up. Dennis was waiting for him, crept on the bike, and it looked like he was getting off quite easily again. And like a few minutes later, he stepped off the bike again and looked to be... Uh, was it feeling his hip or his knee? I don't know what it was. No, but- I, th- I, th- I thought he was done. I thought he was done straight away. Yeah. The minute I saw the crash, yeah, he... The way he was like hunched over and hobbled, and he's like, these GC guys are so skinny, and when they hit their hip, it they just fragile. they can't pedal. They can't pedal like, um, and yeah, I don't know what happened. And I hope he's okay. I hope it doesn't affect the rest of his season. You've got to say, 
the peloton was just starting to accelerate i think um they were starting to and then the last 30 k's start to focus on the finish and the intermediate sprint i yeah we didn't see exactly what happened but it just keeps happening for him and it, throughout his career and it, it can't it can't just be bad luck um maybe it is but yeah i think it's yeah it's just really unlucky for him and in, in this instance maybe but Positioning wise, Ineos had Gegenhardt at the front a lot more and Port was at the back. We hadn't seen him for ages throughout the stage, which was kind of unusual. Uh, I thought they'd have him right at the front with Gegenhardt rather than having him split behind with Dennis and Co. So I don't know what happened. And maybe we'll hear further about it. But it's not like hopefully he's not, you know, sometimes these low speed crashes, if it was at the at the back, everyone was braking and he's just the last to break and you fall on your hip. They can be quite bad, even if it's at 20, 25 k's an hour rather than a high-speed crash. They can still be bad. So I'll be waiting to see. Yeah? I thought 5k an hour and broke my elbow two years ago. So yeah, exactly. A it, crash can be worse. Yeah. So um, that's a shame. But, yeah, just seems bad luck or crashes just seem to continually follow Port around. So Gegenhart, it seems, is their main GC focus now, Ineos. It's a big dash to their GC ambitions, losing Port, whether he was going to be a helper or a co-leader with Gagan Hart. Yeah. But, yeah, this finish, Benji, got this intermediate sprint at Chateau 4. Michael Matthews had taken second in the inter- intermediate sprint, the first one on the first circuit. It really started to heat up with Durbridge putting on the pace in those rolling climbs before that intermediate sprint. If you go and look at the profile, it's up and down, up and down, pretty much all the way into this finish. Um, it's not an easy finish. And then why do you think... Orica or Bike Exchange were going for the intermediate sprint points, Benji. Were they trying to get Matthews bonus seconds to get yellow today? Are they going for the points jersey? Are they hoping he has a good TT on uh, Tuesday? Why are they pursuing it? Well, actually, I didn't know while it was happening. So the first thing I did when I saw it was I looked up the profile of the rest of the stage of Pyrenees because I so didn't do research beforehand, didn't watch your preview fully. Oops. My back. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned the location of every single intermediate sprint point in the eight stages on the preview. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I should have been there for you. So, uh, yeah. How dare uh, you have a job? (laughs) I was was looking into it, and it really didn't look like it would be anything GC-related. Perhaps in the first three days, take the leader jersey after three or so days. But after that, it's gone fully for him. Point classification, it's very nice. Come on. Like, perhaps he cares about it, but I don't think it's the main goal of Matthews, the point classification at Paris. So, I, I don't know. I can't tell you what the reason is. Can you? I, I think he's going I think he's going for the leader's jersey, getting it either today or after the TT, because he can do a short, a good short yeah. ITT. Tash Benot is actually going for the bonus seconds for GC, um, I'm pretty sure, was his reason for doing that. Uh, or maybe, yeah, who knows. But that was the intermediate sprint. Matthews didn't continue on with it. There was kind of a they, – they put a lot of pressure on the peloton going really hard up that intermediate sprint. We had 16 Ks to go from that point, and that, putting the pressure putting the pressure on, instigated a lot of attacks afterwards. Matthews did sit up. He seemed actually kind of tired, and I thought that, was, that didn't bode well for his final sprint. And then, yeah, there were big attacks, and – Eventually, they were all brought back. Benji's already already mentioned them. We've kind of done it in the wrong order. doesn't matter. 
um, because this was coming down to a bunch sprint, uh, regardless of all the mischief beforehand and the crashes. It was just an interesting way to get to a bunch sprint, which is what I liked about this stage design. Even though we got there, it was not boring along the way. Um, so we're getting into the final drag. FDJ have been dominant all day. They're on the right-hand side. Israel startup nations start moving up, Benji, with uh, Zabel leading out for Greipel, I think. Zabel's his last man. Arkea Samzik were there. Bora Hansgrohe didn't really have a complete train or they weren't dominating the front. Trek were dominating the front for a fair while, but um, kind of went missing a little bit in the last two, two and a half kilometers. Jumbo Visma kept Roglic relatively safe until the last three kilometers. Uh, but quick step, Benji, what do you think their plan was? Um, was it standard let FDJ burn themselves early with Scots and on the front third last man way too early at 1800 and then come up late? Was, do you think that was quick step's plan? I don't know. It, I got a bit scary for them during the sprint because like in the last five kilometers, they were not really up there in the first 25 positions. And we saw yeah, Merku yeah. and Bennett on opposite sides of the roads at certain points. And it was only in the last like three kilometers where I saw Merku and Bennett come together with each other and then slowly but surely move up in the peloton. And I think if, if Merku wasn't there to bring Bennett to the front, he would not have been in a position to sprint even today. Um, but yeah, we had a crash as well, which then forced Koenig Quickstep to have solely Bennett there because uh, I don't know who crashed, but somebody crashed very, very close to the front of the peloton, I think 10th or 11th position. And that caused Merku to have to break like extremely fast. He was in a standstill and obviously he couldn't really do much in the last kilometer down for Bennett. So that's really the, the Koenig situation here. But one thing I want to also dive into is DSM because I found it so weird how they have an eight-man, no, seven-man train, I think it is DSM. It's what they do. We, yeah, we were but, talking about it live, me and you on Discord. Yeah. <laughs> it, it ruined they did them. the same thing at the tour last year. Like, in the tour, <laughs> it did work because, like, there was no, like, for some reason in the tour, it worked because it got them to the front a lot of the time. Sort of worked. Sort of worked. Yeah, they didn't get the victory. So, yeah, not really ideal. But right here, they were on the right side of the road in the peloton, and the road narrowed. So if you're like with eight people and the road narrows, seven people again, <laughs> then you're going to have to move to the left. But obviously, there's not enough space if there's like four trains next to each other. So your riders have like a few spaces in between then. And at that point, Gazeball is like 75% into the peloton. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You, then you need to come back through the riders that you're stuck behind right now with every single one of those riders to move to the front. And at a certain point, I think they used the opposite side of the road to try and fix that, which kind of worked. But yeah, it's it's not handy. Let's let's end it with that. But what team do you think was the strongest when it comes to the lead-out in the last section? None of them, really. So what happened was FTJ were on the front too early. I knew with 1800 when they just had Scots in there and then, it, you know, I was doing the quick maths and uh, I thought, well, if Scotson's here with 1,800 and he was already kind of blowing, then um, I don't know where Guarnieri is going to be. That crash may have disrupted things. I can't see Christoph in the finish list anywhere, nor Case Bowl. So I think Case Bowl and him were out of position. But, yeah, Damar was on the was second wheel. We're into the last 600 metres. His last lead-out man's already kicking. Remembering this is an uphill drag, so... You want to be going with 100 to go at the earliest, I think, if you want to win this stage coming out of a wheel, not going with 200 to go 
then you got no chance. So yeah, the markets. He was there. His lead-out man kind of went went missing. Then Bora moved up. Um, Alpes and Phoenix were nowhere for Philipson, which was super weird. I thought they'd burn guys too early, um, getting in breaks, etc. Bora Hansgrohe had a much better lead-out, I thought, for Pascal Ackerman today. With was it Jordi Mayus? I think um, yep. t- today for Ackerman, he's leading Ackerman out. Damar is trying to follow his lead-out man and he's like second wheel. Ackerman's fourth wheel and Pedersen is fight is coming up the inside. Sturvin, I think, Benji's trying to bring Pedersen up the inside with a slightly right-hand bending finish. So Sturvin's kind of bringing Pedersen up a dead end because when FDJ's lead-out man finishes his, his, his uh, pull, he's going to just stop on the barriers. And then everyone's going to be sprinting to the left of him. But Sturvin's trying to sprint into that space. And so DeMar just boxed in Sturvin's second wheel. Mads Pedersen was then boxed in by literally every sprinter in this race. Oh, he's got the barrier on his right, Cockard Bennett to his left. He's got nowhere to go. DeMar starts sprinting pretty early following Jordi Magus and Ackerman, who've moved up to his left-hand side in, this, in the open space in this curving finish. Bennett then follows Ackerman. He, Cockard was trying to fight for the wheel of Ackerman or Damar, I think. Bennett takes that wheel off Ackerman uh, or Damar. Yeah, takes that wheel off Ackerman yep. and then starts sprinting to Ackerman's left pretty late. Damar had already been sprinting on the inside because his lead-out man had gone, you know, dropped him off way too early um, and he was clearly like going at different speed to Bennett. Pedersen got boxed in behind Damar and could only open up when the barriers opened up really late in the last 50 to 75 and couldn't really get going and get a good run of it. And Bennett on the hoods, going the outside with no really not a good lead out today, did it all himself, absolutely smoked everybody, like different different level. And I said it on the preview, he is the best like yep. bunch sprinter out of these guys. Um, and if you want to beat him on a stage like today, you've got to make it hard for four hours, not just – 30 minutes um so did i misremember any of that sprint benji i'm trying to do that all off the top um That's is there any other yeah but um i think that there were like two a few riders that kept barging each other i think demar lost quite a bit of a speed when he started like shouldering a trek rider i think the lead out of trek at that point Stirling. And I think, yeah Steven. he lost quite a bit of of speed there and i think that instigated already that he had to put that extra mile into actually launching from a, a much lower speed than the rest and I think on the opposite side of the road, Kokar was doing the same to someone else. And no, Bennett was, Bennett, yeah. Oh, Kokar was ducking in trying to get Ackerman's wheel off Bennett, I think. And Bennett was like, nah. Uh, I think it was, I, I think I'm talking about a different situation, but I can't go into it because I don't remember it fully. But either way, like we, we spoke about it at the UAE tour. We explained how Bennett and Ewan are the best sprinters in the world, and the situation of the race makes one more consistent than the other. And the fact that and it has Merku makes and it have the best position for a sprint more consistently than the likes of a Ewan. But it also goes in comparison to everybody else. But today, Merku did bring him to the front, but the entire last kilometer was basically Bennett having to burn himself into a good position there. And I think he he chose the right wheel this time. He chose Akamon. Akamon was basically dying in the wheel of Jordi Meos, like genuinely. He, yeah, he didn't have anything left, and perhaps they should switch it around. Jordi Mays for the sprint. Belgium would like it. <laughs> what was the sprint where Ackerman 
I think it was no, it was the ITV video Benji I did on Parini Stage Two last year, where Sharkman and Sagan got in. They caused the echelons, and then they brought Ackerman with them, and then they they rode the finals for Ackerman instead of Sagan, who was like on. Sagan was on good form before lockdown. He was like flying, okay, and he they rode for Ackerman in the finish, and Ackerman Sagan leads him out, and then gets out of the saddle for four seconds and then has to sit down and then it's Olo one. And it was similar today. It just, it seems like it's either he's jumping way too early, the lead out's not working or then it, the lead out, you got to say for Jordy Mace was fine. I thought yep. it's better, better than, better than before. And, um, he just couldn't get out of the saddle. So maybe he's, the fitness isn't quite there on a harder stage than expected. Um, and, it kind of reminded me of that UAE tour sprint, Benji, where Merku, not the one Merku led Bennett out really well. I think it was stage four where they had the bend and Bennett just picked the right side of the road. He picked with the curve. He picked yep. the open side to the left, kept that side open for himself. And, you know, it's not about just having the, the best legs. Maybe Pedersen would have been super quick on this finish, uh, but he got blocked for like 100 metres of the last 200. So you're not going to win from that position. Uh, had to stop and start a sprint and slot soft pedal a few times. So good positioning from Bennett, good heads up sprinting, and he's also way better than these guys as well. But now yep. let's get – I'll just read out the results for completeness for everybody. Sam Bennett first, Arno DeMar second. I thought Pedersen was going to pip him on the line actually. Pedersen third, Philipson fourth, Cockard fifth. Still quite nice from Cockard actually. Ackerman sixth, Bauhaus seventh, Christophe Laporte Eight. Maybe it was Laporte that I was doing the argy-bargy with Cockard, Benji. Greipel, ninth, ahead of Rudy Barbier, his teammate, tenth. They got to change that up. Yeah. Anthony Turgis, eleventh. Degenkolb, twelfth. Damien Touze, thirteenth. And then apparently Roglic and co. were caught behind that crash and lost time on paper, but that's going to get rearranged with the three-kilometer crash rule. So I don't think any of the GC contenders will have lost time today, apart from obviously Port's abandonment. Um, Israel Benji, you think it's been nice letting you know it's, it's like when the Boston Celtics in the first possession of the game in like 2008 would put Kendrick Perkins in the post and let him let him shoot so he'd have a chance at touching the ball on offense and then he'd be happy for the rest of the game. Have Israel Startup Nation given Grapple enough enough chances? so far this season now it's time to be like okay come on we've got to try something else someone younger someone that actually can be third or second the thing is for the sprint zabel was the lead out ahead of greipel and barbier was in the wheel of greipel before the sprint started (laughs) so it looks like they just both sprinted which is basically doing a wanty in the grand tour because wanty kept doing that a few years ago if i recall correctly but like yeah israel did that too at san juan didn't they it feels like it right now because Rudy Barbier has done some pretty good sprints last year at San Juan, but like right now, he sprinted from the wheel from Greipel. But if positioning is so great and you're in the in the wheel of Greipel, a rider that has issues staying in the right position these days, just energy wise, it seems, then you're not going to make it to a good position to sprint. So Barbier should not be following Greipel, if that was the case, because I'm just going off what I remember of the race right now, on that aspect. Yeah, it's. It's pretty weird because um, I actually think Israel Startup Nation's lead-out train is is really good. It's actually really good, Benji. Like they, for the guys they've got on the team, they present right at the front of these races, um, and 
yeah, I think they've got to try something different. I mean, Greipel, ninth. I mean, no, it's not that good, is it? Like, <laughs> they, like I was going to, you know, it's all right. But oh, I don't think... second today. We can't yeah, really celebrate exactly. a ninth by Greipel. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's something to look at. And I think they should ch- try and change it up because um, – I do think they've got people who can. I think Rudy Barbier might not be as consistent. Like he just might not get the top tens, but I think he can randomly get like a top three on a, on a sprint yep. stage out of nowhere. So I think that's better to shoot for, you know, and, and is better for morale than uh, what's happening currently. Anything else from this stage, Benji? You like the parkour, like the design? I think it was quite an interesting sprint stage. Um given that there were bonus seconds on offer for certain riders and it wasn't just a straightforward sprint. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll just in general see a lot of Sudal take on a bit of a different role than we usually expect in sprint stages because Ewan is not here, so Chilbert attacking, Oldani attacking, that's the stuff we'll see, and I think they might keep doing that for the next couple of days. But I don't think it's really going to decide the stages otherwise. I think if it's a sprint stage, the plethora of teams that are having sprinters here are going to decide that it's sprint stage if it's a sprint stage on paper. So uh, I believe that the majority of sprint stages are actually going to be sprint stages here and not going to have a an attack take uh, take charge here and differ that. So uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if those attacks by Lotto Sedal will work. But either way, I think that's roughly it for today, isn't it? Uh, stage two tomorrow, as Benji said, it looks to be a sprint stage on paper. It will be a sprint stage on paper because the weather is not supposed to be too windy. Envilt sur Montier to Amélie, 188Ks, pretty much flat, and the finish is flat, but for a little riser in the last 3, 4Ks, it shouldn't bother people too much. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Benji there, and that's pretty much all for today. I'm worried about John Degenkolb. He's not looking too good, uh, and I think back in the day he would have been going well on a finish such as this, but, uh, yeah, father time is it's coming to everybody and it's it's a new era that's all right that's all for today pardon that's a dark tone (laughs) i know i've just felt sad about port and then gilbert's attack and lotto sudal and it's like back in the day think about it benji if this was 2015 i don't know why this is such a long dead and cold point 2015 you'd be like Gilbert oh you got to watch him on the last intermediate sprint climb everyone's got to take that really seriously now everyone's like oh isn't it nice that Gilbert's out in front for once and <laughs> then in the finish everyone would be like oh uphill drag like this John Degenkolb on a up and down stage you got to watch out and it's like I don't know I, I, I hope he gets there and maybe they're just focused on the cobble stuff but yeah I'm, I'm being too dark and Benji he wants to go uh, and watch GP Industrial highlights, I think, and I do too. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks to Lukov for supporting the podcast. Ciao.